two weeks ago, we started our gospel meeting. And we were busy during the course of that week. And then last week, we talked about sort of the follow-up to a gospel meeting and having a sort of enthusiasm and a little bit of energy and excitement to take what we've learned and to apply it, to put it forward so that the church can continue to grow. This Sunday, we're talking about a little me time, right? We all know what me time is, right? Every now and then, we might need just a little bit of me time. How many of you appreciate a little me time? I'd say all of our hands could probably go up on that. Me time is time that we get to spend with only ourselves. There's a little bit of talk about me time here. Think about it. It's time alone. This is not necessarily loneliness, but just time that you have chosen to be alone. It's a healthy way for us, right? To kind of recharge a little bit, to de-stress, if we can relate to that. Maybe to be refocused. You know, sometimes we're going 100 miles an hour in 100 different directions, and we don't know where we've been on any of them, right? And it allows us to sort of sit down and to sort of focus ourselves on, okay, this matters. This is kind of important. I don't know if I need this. All right? Well, this time alone means that exactly what that says. Time alone. Because at work, the boss is telling you, I need you to do this and do this and do this, right? And you really need to do all three of them at the same time. Although two of them require you to be over here and one of them requires you to be over there. But that doesn't necessarily matter to the boss, right? Well, when we don't have to conform to the expectations of others, it sort of gives us time to focus on ourselves. And you know, that solitude can have sort of a restorative effect on us. You know, there can be a positive influence on our physical health. You know, you read about, interestingly enough, like um, uh, Crab Orchard Springs. And people would go to these sort of secluded places, although they grew up in many cases, but they would go to sort of get away from the city sometimes, or to get away from the weather sometimes. They would go to these places, and that solitude was designed to help that would be a physical health. Sometimes that time away is good for mental health. Our brain is spinning way too fast and we've got to slow it down a little bit. But today we're going to talk about how we can take some me time to benefit our spiritual health as well. You can see the title, Using Our Time Alone to Be Better Christian. It's sort of the opposite of what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. But this deals with, this morning we're going to be talking about private devotions. Okay, so think about that. Think about this time that we spend sort of with God, thinking about God, thinking about our faith, but not in the presence of anybody else. So this morning doesn't really count, right? Because where you are right now, there's 30 other people. Some of you may have multiple people in your row that are very, that's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is our time away from others and how that can actually bring us a little closer to God. Now, this is not a new thing. We have several biblical examples of alone time. And I just want to talk about a few of these before we get going into practical uses for us. Let's start, let's start with the first one. In Genesis chapter 24, so this starts almost 
Genesis chapter 24 is probably what, about page 45 in your Bible, right? It's pretty early in the Bible. And we see that Isaac meditated in the field in the evening. Now I highly doubt that Isaac lived in the field, but he went out into this field to be able to meditate. We know what it means to meditate, right? Some of us may do some meditation, some of us may not. But we have this sort of impression that sort of came out of like the 70s and 80s of meditation. You know, you're sitting in the lotus position. That's not what it means necessarily. Meditation is just time to think. Time to sort of gather my thoughts. Why is Isaac going in the field to gather his thoughts? Well, it's hard to gather your thoughts when there's 25 people in the room right there with you. And so Isaac used that time in Genesis to go out and meditate into the field. What about, uh, what about David? David prayed three times daily. You can read this in Psalm chapter 55 and also Psalm 63. And he meditated in his bed at night. Now that prayer time might be something that we can relate to. But some of us can probably relate maybe even better to that meditation when we lay down. For some of us, that time that we lay down is the only time that we can kind of calm down a little bit, right? Because while we're up, you know, we're cooking, we're cleaning, we're mowing the yard, we're moving this and that, we're taking the kids to school, we're going to work. That time when we lay down is like, all right, let's sort of decompress. I've told you before now that a lot of times on Sunday morning when we drive to, work, or drive to church, Mary and I have the conversation of, what do we have to do this week? What do we got Tuesday? What do we got Wednesday? Third, whatever it might be, we sort of make plans. Well, some of us may do that when we lay down at night, right? What I got to do tomorrow. But David used that time to sort of meditate on what maybe had happened during the course of his day. Maybe an example that we're even more familiar with is that Daniel prayed three times daily. Got him in trouble, right? Got him in trouble that he was praying three times daily. But he did that because that was what was required of him as a Jewish man. And he used that time to get focused on God. You might say, well, I don't know that I've got three times worth of prayers to give. I'd say the opposite, right? Now, we may not have to pray for the same thing every single time, but every time that we come together, every time somebody makes announcements up here, I learn of somebody new who's had some kind of difficulty, right? That man that Kevin was talking about a minute ago, I don't know that I had heard that story before. I don't know if I wasn't here or if he told somebody else or I just didn't hear it. But there's always going to be people that are in need of prayer. And we're going to talk about that a little bit about that as we go on as well. But that's an example of a long time. We might say, okay, well, that's Old Testament stuff. Well, we got some New Testament examples up there as well. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, Jesus went and prayed early in the morning. Josh, you can probably relate to that because you get up at about 3 o'clock for your job, right? Josh is early in the morning for Josh is late night for some of you, all right? And, but it may flip the other way around on the other one. But Jesus used that time early in the morning to pray. But we also see in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 that Jesus went and prayed in the lady. Sometimes that was better. Maybe we pray early in the morning because we don't know what the day holds for us. Or maybe we spend a little alone time in the evening to sort of review what's went for us already. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he said for them to pray in secret. 
He would also say not to stand up in the synagogue. That's not in Matthew 6. But he would say stand up, not to stand up like the hypocrites and just yell out these big prayers. Tom, you looking at me, making sure you hear me what I'm saying? That's what they, he said that they, that they would do, the hypocrites would do, making sure everybody saw him. He said go away in secret. That's what Daniel had done in the Old Testament. And that's what Jesus said that they should do in the New Testament. So I want us to think about this for just a minute. We're going to talk about why we have these private devotions. And we're also going to talk about how to have these private devotions. Let's do the why first. Why should I do this? Why should I have this sort of me time, this alone time, just me and God to pray or to have whatever meditation comes upon us? Well, first of all, we'll talk about to draw near to God. Now, when we think about getting drawing near or drawing closer or getting closer to God, the opposite of that is what? Getting away from, right? And so it's sort of a near or far, one of the two. First Chronicles, uh, First Chronicles chapter 28 uh, and verse 9. David told Solomon here, he said, Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. This is where I'm at. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now this is David talking to his son Saul. Then he's essentially telling him, you can do one of two things. You can draw near or you can go away. But at the end of that verse, what he says is if you, if you seek out God, if you draw near to God, what's God going to do to you? He's going to come right there with you. But he said if you forsake Him, then God's going to go, go he's not forsake, but God's going to go be away from you. You know, that, that sign you sometimes see, if God feels farther away, who moved? You ever seen that on the church? That makes a lot of sense with this verse, right? What Solomon was being told by his father. God, God is found by those who seek him. We have a New Testament version of this as well. James chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So there we get two things. One, we get the New Testament version, the revamped, the new Christian version, maybe, of what the Jewish people experienced in James chapter 4, verse 8, saying, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But he says then the second part, what do you have to do when you draw near? Well, first, got to cleanse your hands, and second, got to purify your heart. So when you're coming to God, you got to put all that other stuff away. See, when we're talking about a little private time, we're talking about a little me time, we're talking about a little time to focus on ourselves and God, we've got to put all those other things that are pulling us down, that are dirty in our hands, so to speak, behind us, right? Because if we're only focused on them, it's hard to focus on God. Let me ask you a question, and you do not have to answer this, but I will tell you this happens to me from time to time. Have you ever settled in to maybe say a prayer or something like that? But while you're saying it, something not in the prayer comes in your head? Maybe something that you're thinking about from work or something kind of pops in. And it's like, I forgot to shut that door on. That kind of thing. Well, that private time, we have to make sure that we are drawing near to God and putting those other things aside. Second. Why have private devotions? Well, 
to receive a little spiritual nourishment. It's 11.15, about food time, right? Now, some of us are already hungry. Some of us might have been hungry when we got here, right? It's time to eat a little bit. Well, we need a little food nourishment, but we also need a little spiritual nourishment. And to be fair, you can get that spiritual nourishment right here amongst everybody. One of the things that I like is whenever we sing, it's sometimes if you can kind of tune your ear just right, you can hear certain people sing. And there are certain songs in this book that I know there are people in this room that kind of carry the load on a little bit. Jimmy's not here today, but there's some Jimmy Kersey songs that are in that book, right? And I know it, it ain't the same when Jimmy's not here. There's a few of them that when I go to pick them out, Jimmy's not going to be here now. We'll save that for the next time because it ain't going to work without him. But you can kind of hear that, right? You can receive that spiritual nourishment right here amongst the crowd. But sometimes we need that on our own just a little bit as well. We need that in our lives. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, uh, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's where that nourishment is going to come from. So that spiritual growth then comes from the word of God, right? Now, if we go almost to the end of the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 tells us we're born again through the incorruptible seed. Now you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, hold on for just a second. Because that seed that is sort of planted in us will help us grow. But then go to second verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. We continue to grow by the word of God. Some of you in here are really good at growing vegetables or flowers or something like that. Some of you probably aren't, right? But you know that when you plant that, there's got to be a little bit of food that goes into it as well. Now, if you plant the seed and you don't water it, you don't do anything to it, I don't know if the seed was good or bad, right? You, who knows? Well, First Peter says that incorruptible seed is what we have in us. It's not going to be the seed's fault. It's going to be our fault if we don't do what? If we don't feed that seed, if we don't pour water onto that seed, if we don't nourish that seed, well, where do we nourish it? First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 from the Word of God. So that private time, that time that we have alone, might be used to sort of grow that seed, right? We can get our plants watered, to stretch the analogy too far, right here. But sometimes we need to do a little bit of it ourselves. Now, that word of God provides spiritual strength. In Ephesians chapter 6, remember how Paul wrote about putting on the whole armor of God? You may, all of us are probably familiar with that verse right there, but that armor helps to provide that strength for us. Without that armor, we can't protect ourselves. Think about that, plat, that, that flower that you may be trying to grow. And you're doing all the right stuff to it when it comes to water. And we water it twice a day. But you take it and set it out in the middle of the driveway where the sun just beats down on it. It's going to be hard for that plant to grow, right? Because you're putting it in a bad situation. You're doing some things right, but you're putting it in a bad spot right here. Well, what we see there in Ephesians chapter 6, we've got to put that armor on. Whatever we're going through, that Word of God will work as our armor. It's putting us in the right place, perhaps, as we do. Number three. Why have a private devotion? Well, the third thing is to have, to find a little peace and stability. Now, how many of you would say that the world that you live in is filled at times with some anxiety? 
Got a little worried about what's going on here and there. Well, your mom and dad said it. Your grandma said it. Your great grandma said it. Your great great, your great great, your great great, all the way back. I can take you all the way back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Paul said the same kind of thing a couple thousand years ago. He said that if the world filled with anxiety, prayer will find that peace, right? So why have a private devotion? Well, all the things that are going crazy in the world, the things that I don't like, the things I want to see changed, but I can't change them. Maybe I take a little time alone and realize maybe my focus shouldn't be on all these things that I'm supposedly worried about that maybe don't matter that much to me personally, but I can get a little peace through that private time with God, that me time as it were. Now, peace provides stability. And we like things to be stable. I want you to think back to maybe your child or your grandchild or your sibling, but somebody when they were just learning to walk. They stood up and they did this little number, right? Part of the reason I think the kids wear diapers is when they fall, there's more padding right there from the land on, right? Will was really little and he would walk a little bit, and we had a coffee table, still have it, but a coffee table of solid wood. And it was sort of a tricky situation because he needed to hold on to that to be stable, but if he fell, he's going to bang his head beyond this. And every time he was learning to walk, he thought, is he going to fall? Is he going to fall? But it wasn't long after that he had a lot of stability. And then, he started walking to places you didn't want him to walk. Oh my goodness, how's he going all the way over there for? A little too stable, right? But sometimes we're like that little kid in the world. We're just sort of finding our way through. And we're sort of wobbly just a little bit. But once we can get that stability, that helps us handle things a whole lot more. I don't really worry about Will falling and hitting his head on the coffee table. I do a little bit. He's got some clumsiness in him from time to time. But... I don't really worry about that too much. But I worry less about it because there's some stability. I don't, I, we need stability with our lives as well. And that stability doesn't come from that person that you sort of cross paths with from time to time at work. It provides, that stability comes from our own experience. Just like when we were walking, the same thing happens right here. And that comes from those private devotions. Now, if that's the why... Let's talk about the how. Well, first of all, maybe simple, we need to find a time and place, right? We can't have a private devotion. We can't have a me time if we don't actually have time for me, right? So you need to find where that time works. Think about this for just a second. I said a minute ago, Josh is up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, that might work as a great time for a little private time between Josh and God. But that would be the absolute worst time for some of us in here, right? Tony, at 3 o'clock in the morning, what are you thinking about? Not that, right? That is not. That would not be the good time. She would be cranky and mad, but it might work better for her at lunchtime or whatever. we got to find that out first. got to find the time. we got to find the place for this to take place. Now, once we have found that time, once we have found that place, what are we going to do? Well, first of all, let's approach God in prayer. Now I want to look at four things that are already up here on the screen, but I want to read each of these verses, and if you would, 
maybe take your Bible out and you can look at them as well. Four things that we need to approach God with in prayer. Let's start with the first one, which is thankfulness. So when we ask our prayers, when we set aside this me time, it's just me and God, we're focused on that. The first thing that we're going to say in these prayers, or one of the things that we're going to focus on, is thankfulness, right? What do you have to be thankful for? Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent, uh, or excuse me, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. What do you have to be thankful for? If I were to say, give you a sheet of paper right now, and say, write down, 10 things that you are thankful for, could you fill that list? I would hope that we could, right? But the truth is that if I took those papers up and I looked at somebody over here and somebody over here, they're probably going to be different, right? Because something that Cindy's thankful for maybe doesn't resonate with Linda on this other side because they live different lives, they're in different places. But we got something that we're thankful for. So our first approach in this me time is a little thankfulness for what we have. That's the first thing. Second of all, a little bit of confessing. First John chapter 1 and verse 9. We know this verse, but it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we have this me time, we're trying to find a little peace and stability. We're trying to figure things out. The first thing that we're going to do after we're thankful for what we have is we're going to say, listen, I have all this good. But I still make mistakes. If I were to give you a sheet of paper right now and say list 10 things that you've done wrong in the last week, would you be able to fill that up? We probably could. Now, if I were to take Linda's on this side and Cindy's on that side, look at them, are they going to be the same? They're probably not because, again, you're living different lives. But we all have something that we have done wrong. It might not be a physically done wrong. It might be a mentally done wrong. That person that cut us off as we were driving home from work, and I thought really bad things about whatever it might have been. But our confessing of what we have done wrong is a key part of private devotion. Have you ever known somebody who never did anything wrong? Let me rephrase it. Have you ever known somebody who absolutely knew that they've never done anything wrong, even though you've seen them do all kinds of wrong things, right? Well, that's a little bit of pride there. I didn't do nothing wrong. If anything's wrong, it's your fault. It's your fault. Well, we can't be like that. So this private devotion will require a little bit of confession. Number three, in this private time, we may need to ask a little help for ourselves. We read in Philippians, when we talked about Philippians 4, 6 a minute ago, it said to be anxious for nothing, right? But we give thanks to God and let our requests be made known to God. Every one of us has things that we need in our life. I don't mean physical things necessarily. I don't mean a new car. I've already got a nice car, but I want to. But we might have some requests that we may that we need now. We have some physical ailments that are bothering us. We have some mental concerns with our lives. We have some job worries, perhaps. You know, I want to, do I want to go to this or whatever it might would be, but it's important for us, all right, so the Philippians in chapter four, to make those requests known. That might not be something that I need to stand up in front of all of you and tell you. I don't need to know what all of your requests are. That's that private time with God. But it can't just be all about me, right? All right, I'm thankful for what I've got. I know I've done some things wrong. 
God, I hope you can fix that because I want this, this, and this. It can't just be that either. The fourth thing up there is we need to ask for help for others. Because if I'm only worried about God benefiting me, I'm going to benefit at the expense of all of you. And that's the wrong approach to take. I should want you to grow from this as well. But you're not in there with me because this is me time, right? So what do I do? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. If you look at that first part, that first, the back half of verse one, giving thanks, uh, giving of thanks, be made for all men. I should be worried about you when your friend has a broken arm. I should be concerned about that. When your coworker deals with cancer. I should be concerned about that. I should ask in my prayer for that to grow, for that to be benefit, not to grow, but for, for that to be fixed, for, for the benefit to come from that. I don't know who that person is, and odds are I'll never know who that person is. But I can't say, well, I don't know, it doesn't matter to me. My approach should be, I hope that Kevin's friend does better. I'm bragging on Kelly just a minute, because Kelly, whenever he says the closing prayer, or whatever prayer he says, he'll always mention people that are going through difficulties. And I know Kelly's a lot like the rest of us. He doesn't know that person, but he might say, you know, ask for prayers for so-and-so's friend. Well, that's what we did, right? That's what we need to do. We're concerned about them. I can't really fix it. I don't know. I wouldn't know if they walked in, but I can't just say I'm only going to pray for myself. I want to pray for others as well. Number two, we're talking about our hows. We're going to spend a little time in meditation. A little time in meditation. A little time with the Lord, right? Just a little time with God. Sometimes just thinking just a little bit. Wherever that is. That be you're on the couch, you're on the porch, you're walking through the yard, whatever that might be. Find that time. But not just with God, because God's always with us. But what do we need to think about? Well, maybe we need to think about what God has done for us. It may not necessarily be a time to pray. It may not be a time to be prayerful for ourselves or for others. But what has God done for me? And just think about that for Meditation doesn't have to have a stop clock, stopwatch. We don't have to set aside, I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing this. It might be just a few minutes here and there. But that time to think about what God has done. And thinking about that means not thinking about ourselves. And we need to think about God's Word. We talk about studying the Bible, right? We talk about reading the Bible. And some of you may listen to the Bible on tape or CD or podcast or whatever it might be. But all of that is spending time with God's Word. Sometimes just reading it just to be reading. Now I find myself, you know, when I'm doing lessons or whatever, you're sort of focused on a certain thing. I'm looking for verses that deal with faith. And I turn to something, and this is talking about love. That's not really what I want. I'm going to throw that. I don't need that one right now. Sometimes we kind of get in our study, we're sort of focused on that. But there's times so maybe just flipping through and reading a few pages. Reading a few chapters. Do you remember that story of the Good Samaritan? Will and I studied that in class this morning. We're not talking about that in class. That's not what we're talking about today. 
It's 13 verses. Maybe flip that over and just read that story. That's spending time with God's Word, right? You're not going to be the, the smartest Christian of all time by reading that story, but you're going to get a good bit of God's Word that can give you a little energy on how to maybe deal with other people, right? So there are private devotions, spending a little time meditating and contemplating what God has done. Finally, we need to be grateful and thankful and praising of God. Because without God, our hope is lost, right? We have no hope of anything. And so when we have this private time, this me time, this devotion time between me and God, perhaps a little time just being thankful for what God has done for us. What's that song we sometimes sing? I'm thankful because he's done so much for me. Josh, I know you've led that from time to time. It's a pretty simplistic song, but the message is one that matters and resonates with all of us at all times. You know, our life stresses us out. Fills us with a little anxiety, a little worry. And like I said a minute ago, it's not new. Paul was writing about 2,000 years ago, and everybody who's lived in between that time dealt with those same kind of things as well. But those stresses can pull you away from God, right? They can just overwhelm you with God. David was described as being a man after God's own heart, right? And that's what the Bible describes David. Jesus was the Son of God. And we looked this morning that both of them felt that it was important to have a little time away from others so they could focus their time on God. Well, I think making a little room for me time, for just me and just God, and no other outside distractions can help us grow as Christians as well. Because if we don't do it, we're going to limit our ability to grow. And nobody wants to limit, because the limiting will eventually lead to an elimination altogether. So there's anything that we can do for you, we extend these invitations every time. Whatever it is we can do to help you, we always do. We invite you to come while we stand and sing.